Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Paul Gallant. Join the conversation by dialing or texting 713-780-3776. A text. We were talking about the Cowboys, Mike McCarthy, and how he is very unlikely to break up a fight in the last segment. NFL coaches least able to break up a fight. That's on the table right now. But this texter, Corey, a Cowboys fan, says, I just want McCarthy gone. Didn't like the hire to begin with. I'd be shocked to find any Cowboys fan who was happy with that hire. It's not to say McCarthy is even a bad coach. He's just not a great coach. He's a guy who's won a Super Bowl. But do you give him credit for that Super Bowl or do you give all that credit to Aaron Rodgers? I will say, that season for the Packers... And I think Joel Blank could definitely speak a lot better to this than me. But the amount of injured players that they had that year was insane. That they were still able to win the Super Bowl against the Pittsburgh Steelers. They had a ton. So McCarthy does deserve some credit. The problem is, how long does that, I guess, give you clout, if you will, in the NFL? Yeah. To McCarthy's credit, seems like he's a good people person, as evidenced by all those press conferences where he and Jerry Jones are busting each other's balls. He's done enough of a job where people at the very least like him in NFL circles. But does that mean he is a good coach? And, I mean, based off of watching Hard Knocks, was it last year? Was it the year before? Like, eh. Yeah. It, it, I, the 2010 team was, like, a good coaching job. The 2011 team, I think, for the Packers, was that the one that was, like, 15-1? and one? It was, like, they were Right, that was the year ridiculous. afterwards. Yeah. Yes. They were awesome that year. And, and then they lost to the Giants, who, for whatever reason, just always beat the best teams in the NFL the last 20 years. And, and you, But you also look back, and we're talking about the 2010 and 2011 Green Bay Packers. Like that, That's how far back we're going. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple years at the end, like including what, was 2016, 2017, where they actually beat the Cowboys, where it kind of felt like McCarthy was holding back Rodgers more than he was hel- helping him. And that was towards the end of the, the Packers uh, you're era. Right, you're right. Uh, look, I... I don't hate the Cowboys the way a lot of people in Houston do. I feel like some people try to do it to pander a little bit. I, I, I have not interacted with many Cowboy fans that talk trash. And if they do, like being as someone who grew up a Pats fan, I, honestly, I can just be so mean to them yeah. back that maybe my experiences are different than yours if you're, if you're a Texans fan, like your whole life and stuff. And obviously, I support the Texans. I, I mean, I'm, I'm stuck here at NRG Stadium watching them play games. I want, <laughs> I want them to play well. Stuck here. I, I mean, I am at the time. Uh, I was talking with one of my friends about like the time during the Texans-Titans game where I walked underneath the bowels of NRG Stadium. Like, and I was gone for an hour from the game. And, then, and then I came back up and nothing had changed to the game. It was Malik Willis versus Davis Mills. Just an absolute barnstorm. Or barn burner or whatever it is. But um like I, I don't have this like hatred for the Cowboys. They're good. Like they're a good team. But I, I do not for the life of me understand why they felt like rolling it back this season the same way as last year is gonna give them a different result. And maybe maybe honestly if I were in their shoes, I, I would ultimately say, Well, damn, I don't really know what else to do other than fire the offensive coordinator because of the quarterback contract. But that that's that's sort of where we are. Yeah, the the McCarthy is in like a weird spot yeah. where it is like he's kind of coaching for his job. No right. one was no one would loved him when he got hired, but he hasn't really done a bad enough job to get fired yet. And now it feels like the because you can be like meh for a long time or like meet expectations but lose in the playoffs for a long time before 
it has to like for ownership to make the call to fire you it has to be like all right well we're we're not going anywhere like he's taking us only so far now we got to take you know hire someone to take us to the next level but like you can't do that after 2 years or 3 years so he kind of has to keep coaching this team at least for one more year yeah. or in, unless they completely backslide this year which in the NFC, I don't, I don't see how they do it. Their defense is going to be good. Their defense is going to be good. Their offense is going to be respectable. Uh, do the Eagles play as well as they did last year, this yeah. coming season? And, I feel like the odds are against them being that good. I still think they're a great team, and they got that defensive line and the offensive line that they do. But um, yeah, like they're they're going to be probably in the same spot as they were last yeah, year, and we're going to be saying the exact same thing when they're out in the second round of the playoffs. We're going to be like, yeah, like they're good, but like there's a clear limit. There's a clear maybe they can hire Jim ceiling. Harbaugh now. You know, like we, <laughs> know, there'll, there'll always be like a like some pie Huge in the sky name. name. Bill Belichick, and then actually Bill Belichick. Yeah, he gets fired if he gets fired by the, by the Pats. Oh boy. Anyway, uh, look, uh, Jerry Jones would make that move, and and I think this naturally transitions us into what we were going to talk about. Um, I really do respect Jim Crane because I feel like with all the tanking now way in the rearview mirror after jumping from the National League to the American League. If you were doing sports talk radio in 2011, you were an idiot if you ever talked about the Astros. I remember that. That was when I first started doing the job. It was constant Texans talk because the Texans were good in 11 and in 12. Crane has taken the team from being a laughingstock and irrelevant to being like the best team in Houston sports history. And it's not like he has done this with an unbelievable amount of money. And I I think you could definitely criticize the first couple of years of that run and the, the fact that the games weren't even on TV and all sorts of other issues that were there. But what he has turned this team into or what it has turned into under his watch is, is nothing short of incredible. So I'm always going to like Crane, even if you hear stories about how he doesn't treat people the right way behind the scenes, because at the very least, we have a watchable product here. He does all that he can to have this team be competitive every single year, and that's why you saw the Astros make the move that they just did yesterday, or excuse me, the other day, with Justin Verlander bringing him in. After the prospects, we're trying to compete now. We're trying to keep this thing going as long as we possibly can. I... I think it's very ballsy as an owner to not say, you know what, we're going to try to continue to keep this entirety going. But just sort of what the Cowboys are doing and not moving on from Dak Prescott and not moving on from Mike McCarthy, right? Like they're just, they're continuing to stay the course. And that's why I look at Jerry Jones and I, I don't think Jerry Jones really cares all that much about winning. I don't. I think Jerry Jones knows exactly what he has to say to keep the Cowboys relevant. And I believe he thinks that all publicity is good publicity. Where with the Astros, it's different. The Astros do seem like they're constantly trying to compete. And I wonder how many owners actually are that way. If, if you listen to this show, and we were talking about all the moves that the Mets were making this offseason, I had a great deal of respect for what Steve Cohen seemed to be doing, the owner of the New York Mets. But then all of a sudden, you hear what's been coming out of Mets camp over the last couple of days. Max Scherzer, who is now a part of the Texas Rangers, when he was introduced, he explained the conversations that he had had behind the scenes with key figures in the Mets organization. The team is now uh, kind of shifting vision and, and that uh, they're looking to compete uh, now for 2025 and 2026. Uh, and that, um, you know, 2024, there, it was not going to be a reload situation uh, in New York and that it was going to be more of a transition um, in 2024. And uh, that they're, you know, we're looking to um, 
you know, make decisions, you know, for, uh, to compete outside my contract window. Um, I said, okay, you know, that's a, you know, brand new, <laughs> brand news to me, um, different than what I'd ever heard out of, uh, Steve's mouth. I was like, all right, I got to hear this directly from Steve. So I had a phone call with Steve, um, and he basically articulated the same, uh, vantage point. So Steve Cohen runs into a wall when it comes to the Mets being competitive. It's, it's bad luck as always with the Mets. It starts off with Edwin Diaz getting hurt. This team has sucked this year compared to the expectations. And all of a sudden, at the trade deadline, they go from bringing in Max Scherzer and bringing in Justin Verlander to telling him, you know what, we're changing our approach. And, and maybe Steve Cohen all of a sudden stopped looking at the, the standings and started thinking about the, the bottom line. But that an organization can go from that to that as quickly as maybe the richest organization in baseball did, I think is once again like a reason to, to hold Jim Crane in high regard no matter how you might feel about the way that he deals with things behind the scenes and some of the other stories that have been out there about him. I, I think the average Astros fan just cares that the Astros are being good every single year, that they have a legitimate championship, uh, a legitimate chance every single year to win a championship. Yeah. Even like the workplace, the workplace stuff that I, I actually don't mind if people like hold that against them as like a knock on them, but the, the positives like, so greatly outweigh the negatives even part of it is the beginning era of his tenure in the whatever early 2010s where like they people didn't they, like him they people were mad that they moved uh to the american league yeah and and just like nuking the team mm-hmm. and like but the but thing it, is he hired the right guy i think a lot of it and Drake mcclain created a lot of that to continue yeah Sean. yeah oh yeah it, he hired the right guy to oversee that plan of just uh, Again, just absolutely just <laughs> tearing it down to the studs and trusting Jeff Luno to make the right moves. And, yeah, it was something that needed to be done because of the McLean era. Oof. And that is something that I, I don't feel like a lot of teams have is that, like, that self-awareness or that, like, realization of, like, hey, we need to just tear this down. Like, this is not going to work. And so in that sense, I do – I. It all depends now what the Mets do after this. Right. Where it comes to Steve Cohen, like, tearing this down, calling it like, hey, we can get prospects for paying half of Scherzer and Verlander's salaries, and we don't have any prospects. We can just get a farm system just by paying, like, $50 million to yeah. trade these guys. <laughs> that I, If it works out, I think this is going to be, like, a move that gets lauded. It's just – it's tough when you sell your fan base. Exactly. Hey, this is – the Mets, the, you know, we're taking to the Yankees. We're going to spin like the Yankees do. And then at the deadline, you're trading guys off. They get a little credit for trying. But they, they lose a lot of credibility by pulling the plug the way that they did. And to say, like, next year, now you're not competing. Like, if you're a Mets fan, like, you're like, geez, That's this tough. again? That's like, this – I I feel – Mets fans have it terrible. They complain more than anybody. They're the loudest complainers in all of sports when it comes to uh, what their team does. But it's understandable in a lot of ways. At the very least, the Mets aren't like the White Sox, who, who, who finally admitted, yeah, yeah, we're looking to compete next year. Oh, weren't you trying to compete, like, two years ago when you brought in Tony La Russa? And there's a lot of teams across sports that I'm not convinced are trying to win at all. And, and I don't even know if that will ever change. And I, I, I'm going to challenge you guys here. 713-780-3776 to call to text. Name the owners in sports who truly have winning a championship for their team 
as the number one priority. And again, it's a business. They're trying to make money. We get all of that. But how many are prioritizing it the way that it feels like Jim Crane is? Paul Galancho, stick around. It's that time to resume our daily privilege of listening to the Paul Gallant Show. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Paulie G. The last segment we were talking about, the owners we truly believe are in it to win it in American sports. Steve Cohen was there for a bit, the Mets, clearly isn't now. Jim Crane's clearly the number one dog in town. 713-780-3776 to call in and text into the most interactive sports talk show in Houston. We've got Tony. Tony, what's going on? Tony, turn your radio down. What's going on, man? Dude, Yo. Jim Crane is the greatest owner of the Astros, dude. I'm 45 years old, bro. And... <laughs> Are you crying? He's the greatest ever owner, dude. I've met fucking our father. Oh, there it is. There it is. Damn, Tony. It was a good call up until the F-bomb. So what do you think Tony's enhancement, life enhancement of choice was this morning? Do you think it was alcohol or weed? What do you think? Uh, just just good vibes from the Justin Verlander trade. Listen. From her no hitter. He sleep. might have been out at the bar I was at last night with all the escorts. Maybe he woke up with one and he's like, oh, no, that's <laughs> that's a little expensive for my taste. I don't know. He sounded like he was crying there. I hope he's not driving. This is generally my big concern when we have someone who calls in who's ha- absolutely hammered. <laughs> like, please don't drive, dude. It's broad daylight. Uh, day one, Donna on the twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5 asks, what's up with the callers this morning? Was there a drunk caller on the bench? I think so. I, I didn't hear it, but I heard them talking about it afterwards. How, right. uh, we like Tab, who called in earlier, the Texas Rangers fan. Yeah, yeah. No, he was he was sober. He was just wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and a cheat for your World Series. Yeah, but there's another one, too. There, yeah, there's, there's the other that one. That happened in November. You, you haven't won one. And also, like, the thing that you can always use. I, I don't think enough of you guys do this. They got away with it. That's the best part. They got away with it. You might get mad that they said you cheated. Just the only thing you can say that will... Because at that point, the conversation is only going to escalate into name-calling, Right. So you may as well just say, yeah, we got away with it. Sucks to be you, huh? Just just say it. They don't have a response for that. They don't. Like Telling somebody that you got away with something and then having no ability to do anything about it, it's one of the best things you could say. Any Astros fan that is always in your holster, don't get upset. Just say, yeah, we got away with it. Ha, 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 ha. That's it. Because those conversations are pointless now anyway, right? 713-780-3776 to call in to text in. And people are debating whether or not he was crying here. Uh, There's, I guess, a guy named Tony. And there's a guy named Jeff. And people are convinced that Jeff, I'm guessing, was the drunk caller of the bench, is Tony. And Tony is Jeff. Well, hey, 
That's a that's an all day listener. Yeah, I'll have what he's drinking. That that is crazy. That not only to be whatever Tony slash Jeff is up to <laughs> at you know seven to eleven twenty two, but also to be like listening to the radio for all that time too. To be like, you know what, I'm I'm getting into whatever I'm getting into, but as as I'm doing it. I gotta listen to my guys, John and Lance, then Paulie G. Like, yeah, I, I, gotta, I like it. I like gotta it. see what they have to. Say. I, I hope everything is good in his life. I I truly do. Uh, Mega Twitch.tv slash ESV ninety seven five. Paulie G knows this from being a Cheatriots fan. He embraces it. Yes, Mega finally gets it. If my team isn't cheating, are they even trying? It's the that's what I I learned this by being a Patriots fan. Everyone hates you. You may as well just be a douche to everybody and act like they're beneath you. That's what's fun about being a fan of a successful sports team. Be mean. By the way, there have been some people that have been harassing a sports figure. And this story is absolutely fascinating. I got an email this morning. And it was I, I'm still subscribed to get uh, Seattle Times stories. And this Seattle Times story brought up how Seattle Kraken received teaching moment for bringing influencer to the game. I'm like, what the hell is this? But I didn't actually click on the story. So there's a member of the Seattle Kraken of the NHL, the newest team in hockey, named Alexander Wenberg. And for some reason, Wenberg has become a viral heartthrob with his wife on TikTok. There is a subsection of TikTok called Book Talk. It is a community of book lovers on TikTok. And hockey romances have become a popular subgenre on Book Talk. If you're having a hard time following this, I am too. Okay, so there's uh, Book Talk is like a subset of TikTok. Yes. Where, what, what are they doing on Book Talk? Look, they're, they like romance. They, they like romance. They might, these might be the people that are into those books that have Fabio on the and, cover. And this, this Seattle Kraken. The Seattle Kraken player and his is, wife. Is a star. Is the Fabio of Apparently he posts really cute pictures talk? of he and his wife on Instagram. Yes. So for some reason, okay. this has become, he has become a popular subject among Book Talk. He's a handsome guy, this Alexander Wenberg. And there are, you know, some puck bunnies out there who really like hockey players. But he's, he's a good-looking dude. So this TikTok went viral and is going to lead to the end of this very bizarre and confusing story. Just look at that face. Don't it just scream? Sit on it. Hello. When I tell y'all I wake up every day praying to Jesus and turn me into ice, because what I wouldn't give to have this man glide on me. Hello, Alex. I know you just signed to the Seattle Kraken, but what's a sister got to do to have you crack this back? Hello. Girl, the eyes on this man could literally, he could suck my, well, I could do whatever, whatever. The eyes on this man is insane. Literally, he could snatch my soul from me and I would say thank you. So yeah, Alex, when you done playing your little game, go on and spit out that mouthpiece because I got something else you can Oh my you, god. You can do that too. Okay. But I, got I don't even know if we can play any of that. But this is Kiara Lewis, a, a book TikToker who, who just posted that with pictures of Alexander Wenberg. 
And since that was posted, she actually was invited to a Seattle Kraken game and got to sit by the ice. But Alexander Wenberg's wife has had enough because apparently she is uncomfortable with everyone sexualizing her husband, going out to social media, calling all of the treatment harassment, saying, quote, enough of the sexual harassment and harassment of our character and our relationship. This is all started by that TikTok by Kiara Lewis, where she's asking for a Seattle Kraken player to, quote, crack her back. And I'm lost. There's a thing called book talk. This woman is just clearly big horny online. A lot of these other book readers who probably look at a cover of a book that has Fabio on it and say to themselves, hey, I'm horny right now. I'm going to buy this book. They see this guy and, and they get riled up themselves like this Kiara Lewis girl. But this story has made it to like the front page of ESPN. Last winter, the Kraken social media team embraced the hockey book talk community interest in their players. They changed their TikTok bio to mostly book talk and began publishing videos that targeted that audience. Some featured players like Wenberg and uh, defenseman Vince Dunn walking in slow motion before games while wearing business suits with captions, quote, when you accidentally become a book talk account and now that's all you can post. So the Kraken have been sexualizing their own players online for book talk. Where's HR and P when you need it? This story is just everything about it. I feel like it's all in English. I all, for the most part, understand it. It's just like all the behavior I don't understand because I'm not on TikTok. I'm definitely not on book talk. I I don't know anything about hockey. It just all, all of this is just curveball after curveball. And I think I get it. Oddly enough, the thing I get most is the clip that we played. I like, I, I, I could hang in with that. I, I don't know, man. Uh, me too. Hashtag me too. What, or... a, man, a man can't be the subject of me too. They flew her to Seattle, That's... gave her tickets and a jersey, and there's another video of her just catcalling them. So is this, is this guy like the Livy Dunn of. Hockey. No, he's not the living. Well, actually, of hockey, of yes. hockey, yeah. it's a small, it's a smaller, yeah, it's a smaller pond, frozen pond. But I, I feel like he, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I feel like he can at the very least walk around the city without people recognizing him. Whoa. Where Livy Dunn has like thousands of horny teenage boys that are like, <laughs> yeah, wherever yeah. she goes. Luckily, he can still walk around the streets of Seattle. Oh, wow. Let me just put it on a tee for you, Paul. Let me just put it on a tee for you, Paul. What's more dangerous to walk around the streets of Seattle where you've got fentanyl addicts taking a dump in the middle of traffic? When you say walk on the street and you're talking about someone in Seattle, I'm I'm surprised you don't take the... It took me a while to get there. Catnip. Oh, oh my God. You you know what? Probably a little more dangerous for uh, Alexander there. But uh, we we th- we're thinking about him at this difficult time as he's sexually harassed by book talk. It's the Paul Gallant Show. He has me at 97.5 and 92.5. Stick around. Welcome back to the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Here is your ambiguously gay host, Paul Gallant. It's the most interactive sports talk show in town. It's been an interesting day of interactions. Here is a text. You're a moron. The Astros did not get away with it, idiot. They were punished. 
in parentheses, albeit lightly, in parentheses, but they were the only team punished. Exactly the opposite of getting away with it, you F-tard. Damn, first off. Second off, you literally said in the middle of this text, albeit lightly, which means, yes, they did get away with it. They fired a manager and a general manager. Wow, they did lose draft picks, that's for sure. Here is the big thing to focus on. Did they take the trophy away, you sensitive little baby? No, they didn't. Ooh, pulls a bleep toward. I'm telling you how to be a fan, and you still can't even handle it because you're so sensitive about somebody highlighting that they got away with it. They did. A lot of other teams in baseball were doing the same thing. We, we don't need to do this every single time, the whataboutism. They got away with it. It's hilarious. That's what you should operate with. It is constantly in your holster as a comeback. These are the people that suck. The people that get upset about it still. Move on and embrace it. It's in the past. No one can take it away from you. Oh, they were punished. Not really. And it's great. No one got suspended. Not one player got suspended. Baseball managers just fill out an effing lineup card. Sometimes not very well, like a lot of you say about Dusty Baker. Like, relax, okay? Says the person who's yelling for a second. Also, there was another team that was punished. The, the Boston Red Sox. The Red Sox fi- were. had to fire their manager and then just hired him back. <laughs> they just hired him back. Albeit yes. light. That's another. They lightly. were punished, albeit lightly. It was lightlier. <laughs> More lightly. <laughs> uh, it, it's been an interesting day. Um, we, we had a. Uh, we had Tab, the Rangers fan, call in. Check out the Paul Galancho podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Or subscribe, rate, review. If you haven't already to hear that, probably post it on my YouTube, youtube.com slash Paul Galan a little bit later. Or maybe on the TikTok. We also had a drunk guy call in. Uh, now we've got Anthony on the east side of town. Uh, Anthony, it's, it's a very low bar to clear today. Uh, what you got? Anthony? 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 I'm afraid Anthony's not going to beat that low bar. <laughs> Taking him out back, dead. Man, it's just been a rough day. This is the most interactive sports talk show in Houston, but you, the people, you have let me down. We could only do so much. <laughs> at, at the bare minimum, at least Tony slash Jeff, like, talked into his phone. Was Anthony slash Jeff? Oh, Anthony. Was Tony Anthony? Was he just calling in under wow. a different name and he fell asleep? You, you cracked, you cracked the, 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 the Zodiac has been caught. He fell asleep. <laughs> he definitely fell asleep. <laughs> oh, that's great. What a day it is. Bogalancho, ESPN, 97.5 and 92.5. Um, you know... When you put that phone call up and you explained what was going on to me in the break, Sean, I thought that we were finally getting the follow-up seven months later of that person who called in and said that his child would destroy me in sports conversation. What was that? At our NFL draft party that we were going to have? I thought, I, I thought it was at the Christmas party. It, it was at one or the other. I, I think it was the draft party because I wasn't going to the Christmas party because I was out of town. Um, I think it was the draft party, and I was there. I was wearing a very, very loud Hawaiian shirt. He easily could have found me. Easily could have found me. 
but he didn't. Whatever. I thought this was this person calling in. I heard like with his with his kid who was like going to try to like you know go first take with me, which would have been fun. I would have enjoyed it. Honestly, I I, I really would have. I always want to see people you know succeed in this industry. But then I realized when talking with Sean, especially with the low bar that all the callers and texters have set today, I I thought to myself, you know what? I'm just dealing with main character energy here right now. I am thinking that like the whole world is about me. I'm expecting too much. It, it also, coming from yesterday when uh, our first caller was Vanessa, and you're like, is this who I think it is? Vanessa, what, what, what's going on? And it was just some other person named Vanessa, not Vanessa Richardson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, Paul, you cannot keep I, assuming I know. this is like a sitcom or the Paul Gallant show, and you're like, oh, hey, it's this person I'm a, from, I'm a little from more, three episodes ago. So I'm a little more self-aware of it. Uh, yesterday, one of my friends convinced me to go out to uh, a bar, and we went to a club afterwards, and we sat at a table. I told you about how like there were many ladies of the night that were essentially walking laps around this place, and it was so obvious, too. And, and we're not talking like one or two. We're talking like probably 15. Probably 15 or so. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. I'm not judging. You really should give the name of the spot for the people on Twitch. One of my friends got a table, and I'm I'm sitting up there, and it was really funny to watch a bottle rat who really had main character energy. And I was just thinking to myself, like, imagine if David Attenborough was narrating what happens here. The bottle rat approaches the table, seeing a couple of male marks who may welcome her up because they want her for a mate. But the bottle rat merely wants a couple of drinks of vodka, and then for the rest of her pack, not as attractive as her, to join her up there, but not to join her in the fun and joining in receiving all of the attention from prospective mates. But she'll have the less attractive women pull out their cameras so that they can record her dancing up on the top of the bar. Not once, not twice, not three times, but seven different times. Never once allowing them to be a part of the video. All seven of these videos will be taken afterwards, so this woman will think that she can build her, perhaps, thought profile online by posting a video of her at the club, acting as if she is fancy, or all that, when in reality, again, she is just bottle rat trash, and will never go anywhere in life. That's pretty good, Attenborough, huh? Yeah. 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 Uh, it's really funny. Um, on the Twitch, somehow the, <laughs> the Astros getting away with that has been compared to the JFK assassinations. <laughs> in a nutshell, this is, this is, this is an interesting day. I, I feel like th- those are... Um, the Secret Service did get away with it. Uh, it wasn't them. Are you sure, uh, dude? I read a book. I, I read a book. Oh, oh, never mind. You read a book. I read no. This this, this about is about like, the Kennedy assassination. Where no, been it wasn't about the Kennedy assassination. It wasn't about the Kennedy assassination. Oh, okay. It just largely focused on the Kennedy assassination. And basically, from the first four hundred pages of that book, it's called "The Devil's Chessboard." You know who killed him? Like it's it is so obvious who killed him. Anyway, it's the Paul Gallant Show, ESPN 97.5 and 92.5, 713-780-3776 to join us on the text line on Twitch, twitch.tv slash ESPN 97.5. King of all Twitches is correct. Coming up next, we wrap up the show with a little bit of garbage time. And we ask this question. What country would we be able to get away with 
scamming our way into a n- international competition and actually looking better than somebody who did it the other day, disgracing that country forever. This is a, an all-time video. I will retweet it. Akalon says on Twitter or X, whatever the F, F it's called now. Paul Galancho, stick around. Back to the Paul Gallant Show, coming to you live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Most interactive sports talk show in town. And texter texts in the last segment was like when Paul tells us he has inside information, only to say he's not going to tell us the info. What, you want me to say that the CIA killed JFK? I'm not going to say that. I never would say that or suggest it. Ever especially after reading a 600-page book about the former director of the CIA. And now there's so many reasons that he would have wanted to kill Kennedy. Oh, my God, it's crazy. Anyway, look, we're talking about sports here. Stick to sports, Paul Gallant. I do want to talk about what happened at Texans training camp today briefly. I'm sure I'm going to be talking about it a lot Hell later yeah. this afternoon on the wheel out. Yeah, good. Save it. We'll save see it. what happens. You know that talk where I said save some stuff for 3 o'clock? This is what I was talking I, about. I, look, I, I, I love the guys at the wheelhouse. I do. I, I got a text. <laughs> I got a text from uh, from uh, Andrew Carlson, the producer. D'Amico Ryans and John Mechie, the most notable guy speaking today. Are we about to dissect audio show long? Oh, God, no. Somehow, I'm, I'm just going <laughs> to... <laughs> tie everything back to the CIA and JFK. Yeah, so CIA. This is gonna be a, a day of acronyms. No, 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 no. CIA, JFK, NHI. Redacted. That was redacted. That was redacted. Anyway, Paul, Paul Gallant here <laughs> says the CIA killed John F. Look, let's let's talk about what happened at Texas camp really quickly today. Thank God, CJ Stroud was finally better than Davis Mills. Did it on the Talking Texans podcast with DJ Bienname yesterday from ESPN. He's been out there, and to this point, Mills has clearly been the better quarterback. Today was a different story. If you're paying attention to completion percentages, Stroud was 6 of 9 with the touchdown. He had a couple plays where he scrambled. He had a nice ball that he threw downfield uh, in the end zone to Nico Collins. It was on a fade, so it wasn't deep downfield. Uh, Nico Collins essentially mossed Derek Stingley Jr. on that play. You need to see... Collins doing more stuff like that. He is gifted with that massive frame that he has. They got to have somebody who's going to be a wide receiver that's open even when he's not, if you will. Because you really don't have that. You have a lot of guys who are like tweener slot receivers. And year one to year two is normally when the jump happens. You're hoping that Davis Mills, his struggles are the reason Collins wasn't able to make that jump last year uh some of the other things that stroud was able to do he rarely held on to the ball it came out quick that's going to be big for bobby slowick meanwhile davis mills not a good day he was four for 12 per dj with a couple of drops i'm happy about this i i do when it comes to davis mills i'm not wishing for the guy to fail i, I hope that he's able to carve out a career make some money in this league. I just don't want to see him as a starting quarterback again. I think we're all on the same page here. Like that's what sucks about this quarterback competition. The Texans have to do it from a like fair and balanced perspective. They have to give everybody an opportunity. When you got a new regime coming in, you have to make everyone believe that they are part of a team and that there aren't anybody 
there are, isn't anybody who's above it. And yes, even the second overall pick, who's the quarterback of the future, you sometimes have to go through these dumb semantics. Obviously, the Panthers are doing it in the exact opposite way with Bryce Young already the starting quarterback. But it's good to see that Stroud had a day where he actually outshined Davis Mills. It's a bit of a sigh of relief on my end, at least as far as that goes. Um, as far as other things from today at Texans training camp, they are not holding back. At least that's what D'Amico Ryans is saying. When it comes to C.J. Stroud, when it comes to Davis Mills, they're throwing everything they possibly can. I look at it more from this perspective. I just want a defense that's going to attack more. And the Texas defense last year under Lovey Smith did not. Lovey Smith's defensive pedigree and track record, he did so much damage to it last year. And I hate to say, like, you always remember the last thing that a coach does. And Lovey Smith had a hell of a career as a defensive assistant, specifically with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and part of Monty Kiffin's scheme back in the day. But, I mean, what we saw last year was a joke. It, it was. like they, it was, There was no variance. There, nothing was really disguised. They're not even going to blitz. It was, it was the same thing it, it re- every game. It really felt like, like a time machine of, like, just you just watched a – already not very talented defense play a defense that's from like 2003 you know it's like there's been 20 years of football development since this was like shutting even with the bears i'll give them the bears so that's like 15 years of football development where yeah it just it was just such an outdated system that that he's running that didn't fit with the personality seriously like come on come on you have a corner in Derek stingley and again, injuries, maybe he's not 100% start of the year. But you, you talked before the draft about how you wanted specifically a corner that can do the things Derek Stingley does, and then you put him in a cover too. Like, what, what the hell, dude? Yeah, yeah I, think, I think... And he knows more about football than me. I'm not trying to act like I know more about defense than him, Sean. I, I, I'm more just saying, like, this doesn't seem like Derek Stingley's biggest strength. Just a thought... Doesn't seem like the biggest strength, though. Yeah, I think, like, for us and maybe even, like, younger, especially, actually, probably all the younger Texans fans, the, how many of them there are, we'll see. But that <laughs> he probably did the most damage to his reputation for, like, people that have to talk about the Texans every day last year and for, like, the kids that don't remember the Chicago Bears yeah. and Tampa Bay defenses. Yeah, they were like, for a second. Like, if you just were like, wait, who is this guy? What defense yeah. is he running? Yeah, it, it sucks. So you're hoping that you're going to see more attacking. And one last thought on Texans training camp today. And this is a bummer of a development, though. I, I, I don't think that this player is really factoring into the, the long-term plans of the Houston Texans. Scott Questenberry, who was the center for the Texans last year, when Justin Britt just randomly vanished from the team. We still have no idea why that happened. Scott Questenberry was carted off the field with what seems to be a leg injury. Sucks for him. And that basically means that Juice Scruggs, your second-round rookie out of Penn State, is going to be thrust right into the action with no real competition. So that's good. You're going to throw him right into the fire. But, damn, you hope he's good if it's going to be C.J. Stroud right away as the quarterback at the start of the regular season. And maybe that is a reason that the Texans would say, you know what, we'll go with Davis Mills. I saw somebody post about this the other day, talking about how this could be a lot like where the Texans put in Tom Savage in front of Deshaun Watson. And here's how that's different. From what I know, the Texans thought they had the worst offensive line in the NFL going into 2017, an offensive line that they traded Dwayne Brown away from at the trade deadline after he'd played his one game with the team 
in Seattle because he held out for the first, what, like eight weeks of the season or so. They thought they had the worst offensive line in the league. And that was proven by the first half against Jacksonville where they sacked Tom Savage, what, like five, six, seven times or something like that. Then they put in Deshaun Watson. They knew they had the worst offensive line in the league. I suppose that is subjective, but that's how the team felt about itself versus now where you've invested, what, like $170 million in the offensive line in total money, not guaranteed money, this offseason with Titus Howard and Laramie Tunsil and Shaq Mason. That's not going to be the reason they don't put him in. They have all, even with a rookie at center and a left guard and Kenyon Green, who's in his second year and didn't play very well last year, like this offensive line is so much better than that offensive line was. Paul Galancho, ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Time for a little garbage time. I'm only happy when it's garbage. And then I start eating garbage. If there's one guy up here who knows about total garbage, garbage. It's this guy. It's garbage time with Paul Gallant. Let's go. Let's go. I am retweeting the video right now. At Gallant says on Twitter, at Sean A. Mapes behind the glass at ESPN 97.5. Somali athlete Nasra Ali Bashir made the news for a terrible performance in a 100-meter race at the World University Games in China to the point where Somalia's sports minister has ordered an investigation into her background. You have to watch it. So there's a first shot where they show all the racers on the block. And all of these women that are racing are tall, look athletic, and from the zoomed-out camera angle, this person looks like they are very tiny and also seem to be covering up a lot. Like, normally when you see a female sprinter, they're wearing practically nothing, right? Like short shorts, sports bra. This person is wearing long-sleeve Under Armour, like long sleeve shirt, a t-shirt on top of that, and long shorts, and just from a physical perspective does not look anything like anybody. And then she started running, and oh my god. Like just out of the gates, this looks like if, no offense to Brad Kellner, who I'm going to be hosting with a little bit later and didn't do himself any justice with that first pitch. This looks like it would look if it was Brad Kellner, Patrick Creighton, Jake Asman, honestly, just the entire ESPN 97.5 staff running out here. I mean, she finishes so far in last place that by the time that the video ends, you don't even see her finishing. She may still be running to this day. And there's like a jog at the very end. Like This is a half-assed effort. And here's what's funny. She is the niece of the Athletic Federation director for Somalia. Uh-oh. What country could we do this for? Like, Equatorial New Guinea? Do they yeah. have an Olympic team? Uh, pr- maybe. We'd have to... Well, the problem is we'd have to do it, like, at a... Since I'm so white, as has been highlighted by all the shows at ESPN 97.5 today, we'd have to do it at, like, a, a small country with a largely white population. What could I do, like, Luxembourg? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Andor, yeah. Andorras? I don't know, though. I feel like even there, they'd probably have faster people than me, even in tiny places like that. And I think I'm fast. The Vatican City, uh, the no, Vatican, Vatican City Sprinter, Paul Galant. Vatican City, you know, they'd use all that Catholic money that they've plundered from people over the last 2,000 years to, like, hire some real wheels. And on that note, 
That's going to wrap up the Paul Gallant Show. I can say it. I'm Catholic. Big thanks to Sean Mapes. Big thanks to our texters, our twitchers. Our callers could have done better. So long. Farewell. Have yourselves a wonderful Thursday. The Killer Bees are up next. And I'll be back on at 3 o'clock with Brad Kellner for the Wheelhouse. Peace. You know, we live in a glass house. We know that. We all live in different rooms. We all got a key for it. <laughs>